Hi, thanks. Thanks, Mario. Good morning to everyone. So we're looking at uh, uh, Romans chapter 15 and Romans, as uh, you might have heard already, is called the prince of the letters of Paul. And uh, some, some theologians have said that it is the summary of Christian doctrine. It is a beautiful book, a beautiful letter. And praise God that you as a church could go through the book of uh, Romans. It is just uh, fantastic. And uh, last week when Ma Mario um, informed me that I had to uh, speak on Romans and I was thrilled to know that uh, you guys have been going through for a quite, for quite a long time, slowly, step-by-step, step, chewing on different passages of scripture, understanding and seeing the heart of God for his people. So this morning we will be looking at uh, Romans 15 and verse 14 to 21. We have come to the fag end of uh, the book of Romans from chapter one and verse 18 all the way to chapter 15 and verse 13 is the body of the book. Okay, it is the content of the book. It is just solid doctrine which uh, Paul, has, Paul has laid out. And from 1514, that is our text for today, from here onwards starts the epilogue. That is the conclusion of uh, the book. And Paul over here um, has laid out already in, in the 15 chapters, Paul has laid out his theology and now he's going to talk about a little bit about briefly about his ministry and how he is a minister. So there are two important things that we need to be cognizant of before we actually go into this particular passage. Okay, number one is the context of this particular passage or rather this particular book. We need to know that Paul did not establish the church at Rome. He had never been to uh, Rome so far. He has not seen these guys. Okay, he has not seen these people. Paul's ministry was towards Central Asia and Jerusalem, which is towards the east. And Rome is towards the west, which is the beginning of, the beginning of Europe. And Paul is actually writing to them, writing to an unknown crowd. All the other letters of Paul have a different characteristic. Paul has established the church. He has uh, preached the gospel there personally. He has established elders in some of them. And now he's on his way traveling and then he writes back to them. So he knows exactly who these guys are. Not so with the case of this particular letter. He doesn't know these guys. All he knows, the connection between Paul and the church at Rome is the gospel. And Paul is so confident and he writes. Now looking back at the book of Romans, you say that, man, this guy wrote to the Romans as if they were in his class, his theology class. And now these guys have gone and planned churches and now he's just, you know, recapping theology as if, you know, he knows them by name. But that's the beauty of the gospel. It doesn't change based on circumstances. Doctrines are, are etched and do not uh, waver in the signs of time. So the first thing we need to know is that uh, Paul has not met these guys. And specifically, this is uh, made known to us 
in the first 18 verses and in these last few verses of the book where paul says i long to be with you guys i have not seen you guys i long to be with you guys i have been i have been i made plans to meet you guys but you know for some reason or the other some gospel reason or the other i have not been able to to meet you but i really desire to come as he says in chapter 1 to come and to preach the gospel with you to enjoy your fellowship and here in in chapter 15 as he is finishing the book he says i long to come to you i'm going to jerusalem i'm going to give the stuff that the churches in macedonia akaya have given i'm going to give it to the saints at jerusalem which is far in the in the east and then i'm going to travel all the way to spain and on the way spain to spain i'm going to drop by in italy i'm going to drop by in in rome uh, i'm going to meet you guys i'm going to be encouraged by you guys and then i expect you guys to help me go forward to spain and preach the gospel there so that's the first thing that uh, we need to know the second important thing that we need to know is that paul has clarified his doctrinal stands paul has clarified the gospel paul has clarified he's talked about he's talked about god's wrath he's talked about god's grace he's talked about justification he's talked about sanctification from chapter 12 onwards he's talked about christian living and then in chapter 13 14 he's just he's just expounded love your neighbor as yourself be kind to one another bear with one another and even in chapter 15 in the first 13 verses he's just coming bringing it back that gospel is not just doctrine it is to living it out in love it is living it out in in gospel centric living and he says that there are weak people among you there are strong people among you bear with one another bear with one another so he has laid it all down and now he's coming to the last part now uh, there are uh, the what what i want us this morning to quickly look at is paul obviously the church had heard about paul but this this church had not met him they did not know him and paul now in these few verses okay these few verses reveals his heart when it comes to the ministry and he expects these the church that when they meet him god willing when they meet him they would partner with him they would partner with him and send him to spain to preach the gospel and i want to break this down into five parts five parts which paul wants the church to know about him five things that the church wants to know about this minister of the gospel and i want us as a church to note these five things and to recognize in every minister of the gospel these five things and when you see these five things in a minister of the gospel you should partner with this minister you should submit to this minister and be glad to have such a minister over you so paul is showing them his you can say a portfolio of sorts that this is who i am i am a minister of the gospel and this is who i am and when i come to you i've clarified my theology i've clarified my ministry when i come to you let there be no barrier 
help me go and preach the gospel to a lost nation in Spain. So let us look at these, these five things. So the first point, I want us to recognize a minister who, number one, commends the church for the right reasons. In verse 14, Paul immediately starts after having 15 chapters of solid doctrine. Okay, he, he has admonished them. He has, um, he has encouraged them, exhorted them for 15 chapters. And now he comes like a loving teacher. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. He calls them my brothers. He's not seen them, remember. But he says, my brothers. My brothers in Christ. I myself am satisfied that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and able to instruct one another. He commends the church for the right reasons. Obviously, he would have heard about them from his friends, from fellow ministers. And he commends them for three things. He says, I'm confident. I'm confident in you because of your goodness. Now, when we talk about goodness, it is not a very light term that is used. It basically means that they are rich in Righteousness. In chapter 12 and verse 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And these guys have, they were not spiritually deficient. Kindness, generosity, gentleness, more abundant evidence of their true salvation. It was a good church. It was a good church them for their knowledge. With all knowledge, that is the truth. They were so filled with the gospel. They were filled with the truth, the truth about Jesus. And it was not mere head knowledge. It was knowledge which was acting it out. It was being, being acted out by them. And then he also tells them that you are able to instruct each other, which is actually a fascinating statement to make. Here is a church who is living out the gospel and they're living out the gospel to that extent where they are able to admonish one another. In that case, why is, why is Paul writing to them 15 chapters of theology? Why is Paul writing to them so much? Because these guys are able to admonish each other. There's such a good church. They're such a good church. There's, and which is why we come to the second point. I want us to take a moment to just think about Paul's heart over here. 
Paul is commending them for the right reasons. A good minister of Christ commends you for the right reasons. I want you to recognize ministers who commend you for the right reasons. There are many ministers. There are many pastors. There are many leaders. There are many teachers who might commend you for merely materialistic things. So you got a good job. Fantastic. And you're the man. They might encourage you only when you see some progress in your career or get married. Those are good things, no doubt. But recognize a minister who commends you for your holiness. Recognize a minister who commends you for your moral purity. Recognize a minister, a teacher who commends you for your growth in Christ. Recognize a minister who commends you for the knowledge of truth as you read the word of God. Recognize a minister who commends you when you point out somebody else's mistake in humility and love. Such is a minister who exalts Christ. Recognize such a minister and partner with him. And that is what Paul wants them to see. see that I'm commending you. It's not that I'm scolding you. It's not that you don't know about justification. It's not that you don't know about Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. No. You know it. And I'm, 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 I'm reminding you of these things because they are so central. If you are a leader in the church, if you are a teacher in the church, Commend your people. Commend your people when they walk with Christ. It is easy to commend people for the gains which they have in this world, the progress that they make. But make it your, your, your motive, make it your primary goal to commend people for their holiness, for their goodness. The second reason what we see, that we see we should re recognize in a minister is that a minister, a true minister, speaks hard truths because of the God-given mandate to him. Verses 15 and 16. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering by the Spirit. The second reason which we, we, we see over here is that Paul, although he has commended them so much that you guys know it all, but he also tells them that I have written to you on certain topics very boldly. And we see that in chapter 6, chapter 12, where he, he actually is in a tone of admonishing them that you guys, don't you know what you're doing? You need to do this way. You need to work, work this out this way. And you will find that in portions of Romans, the book, the letter of Romans. And then 
you, you see that he has spoken boldly to them, even though they are a fantastic church. Now, the, the important part is the reason which he gives. The reason which he gives over here does not stem out of an authority that he has assumed upon himself, but he says that I'm under a mandate. I'm under a mandate. He says, by because of the grace given me by God. He says, this is, this is God's mandate. God has told me to shepherd you guys. God has told me to speak to you, these guys, or I have every right to speak to you because I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Because God has given me this work and I will not budge from this work. What else does he say? He says, by the grace given me by God to be a minister or a servant of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Now we know that Paul had recognized early in his ministry that he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Like Peter went to the Jews, Paul went to the Gentiles. And all of his travel was in Central Asia through the, the areas of Greece, Athens, Galatia, Thessalonica, all pagan areas where the gospel had not reached. And Paul over here is saying that you know that I am an apostle to the Gentiles. And the church at Rome, Rome was no Jewish majority over there. The Romans were also pagans. And Paul says, I am an apostle. The grace of God has been given to me and I am a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And he says, I am a servant in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. Paul is very clear in his, in his mandate. He says, I am like a priest. Like the priest in the Old Testament, that's the kind of language he's using over here. Like a priest had a, a, a focus, a responsibility, which ended, ended in worship or assisted in worship. Here I am, a minister of the gospel of God. My job is to take the gospel. To whom? To the Gentiles. And that's a very important statement he's making. That my job description by God who has given it to me is to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And I am very serious about it. And he says that my, the ultimate thing, God has given me this mandate, what do I bring back to God? He says, so that, in verse, verse 16, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. What is this offering of the Gentiles? It is not the offering that the Gentiles would bring. No, the Gentiles themselves are an offering. God has given me this ministry to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to bring them back to God as an offering, pleasing to God. That is my mandate. That is my mandate. And because of this mandate, because I have the mandate to bring you Romans, along with the other churches who are Gentiles, who have been, who are Gentile Christians now, my job is to bring you all before God as a sacrifice, pleasing to God. My job is to bring you and present you before God. That you may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 
that is the mandate and he says because of this i don't mind writing some things to you boldly i don't mind admonishing you i'm not worried about oh man you guys will feel bad let me sugar coat it um you guys might feel bad you might just abandon me you might not help me when i come there you might actually say who is this guy to speak to us like this he wrote very difficult things to us who does he think he is he says the mandate which i have got from god to present you before god as an acceptable sacrifice goes beyond what anyone thinks about what i have to say if it is tough i'm going to say it there is commendation there are good things about you but there is always that lingering sin which i need to deal with which i need to bring out which i need to root out and i'm going to do that and it might mean that i speak to you harshly but that harshness is not out of an authority which i have assumed by myself that would result in anger hatred but this is a mandate which is given to me by god my dear church recognize such ministers cling to them submit to them obey them leaders of the church make sure that you understand this mandate that god has given to us that god has given to you that you as a pastor as a leader are responsible as the uh, as the writer of of hebrews writes in hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you as elders you are to give account of your congregation before god you are you are to present them before god as an acceptable sacrifice devote your life to that as a church we need to understand as well that this is not just the job of a leader in the church or an elder in the church the bible clearly talks about the priesthood of all believers that all believers as believers we are priests we are messengers we are ambassadors of christ we have gentiles we have pagans we have people those who do not know christ all around us as we take as we as we as the ministers of the gospel of god take this message to people around us they will be sanctified not by our words but by the holy spirit but by the holy spirit which is how he ends verse 16 sanctified by the holy spirit let us take our mandate seriously if you have in your church a leader who doesn't mind speaking harsh words to you because of the mandate that he has cling to him partner with him walk with him because he will lead you to heaven because he will lead you in the truth there are many many leaders these days you can go on the internet you can watch on the tv you can check them out on youtube 
they are beaming with words, empty words to make you feel good. Empty words to make you feel, feel pampered will never speak a harsh word. They talk about positivity, positive thinking, no admonition. They go to the extent of saying that God will never judge you for your sin. How false they are. Paul here admonishes them. He speaks to them boldly, strongly in certain matters because of the mandate. We need to understand that the mission is so great, so wonderful, that sometimes we deserve a hard word. This, the word of God cuts us, cleanses us. It's a hard thing. Sanctification, the metaphor, or the, 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 the metaphor that is used for sanctification is purification of silver. It's a hard thing. It has to be burnt. It has to be melted. All its, its bond inside, which brings that luster, has to be broken for the impurities to come out. Cling to that minister who is willing to put you through that fire to bring you as precious silver acceptable before God. Cling on to him. Encourage him. And walk with him. The third thing that we see is I want you church to recognize and partner and walk with a minister who finds his accomplishment in the church's obedience. Verse verse 17, in Christ Jesus then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and by deed. Here Paul now talks about his accomplishment. And he's not talking about the number of people that he has shared the gospel with or the number of people cumulative in the churches that, are, that he has established and handed over to the elders. He's talking about one accomplishment. Saying, by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of Jesus Christ, I have brought the Gentiles to obedience. Obedience in word and in deed. That is his accomplishment. He says, I'm not going to speak of anything. I venture, verse, verse 18, for I will not venture to speak of anything except, except what Christ has accomplished through me. Even here, Paul says, it was not me. It was not my eloquence. It was not my studies in the law, which I did before coming to Christ, it was not eloquent speech. No, it was through uh, what Christ accomplished through me. To what? To bring the Gentiles to obedience. His greatest, greatest accomplishment is that the Gentiles turned away from being obedient to pagan gods to being obedient to the living God through Christ. Recognize and walk with a minister, a pastor, a leader in your church who finds his accomplishment in bringing you to obedience by word and by deed. That is knowledge in the head, living it out in the, in the life of the church, in word and in deed.
Paul invested his entire life in bringing people to obedience to Christ. He was not gathering a fan following. He was not gathering a people who would be known by his name. We were preached the gospel by Paul. We are Paul's church. In fact, doesn't he admonish people? Doesn't he admonish the church in Corinth? What are you guys up to? You're saying, I'm from Paul, I'm from Apollos. No. No. Someone sowed, someone watered. God gave the increase. This is God's church. This is God's church. A minister who recognizes his accomplishment in obedience is a minister worth to be followed, to, sub, to be submitted to. A question over here would be make it difficult for our leaders to find obedience in us? Do we make it difficult for them? Do we hide our lives from our elders, our pastors, our leaders? Do we hide our lives of sin and put on a show before our leaders? How then? How then can your pastor or your leader, how then can they find obedience in us? If we make it so difficult for them. Hebrews 13 again encourages us. Do not make it difficult for your leaders to lead you. Submit to them. Obey them. Paul here finds his accomplishment in obedience. The fourth aspect of a minister worth following is that he achieves his fruits by exercising dependence on the Lord. He achieves all his fruits by exercising dependence. Verse 19, he continues to say that um, I've got the Gentiles to obedience by word and by deed, by power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He finds his fruits or he achieves his means is not by carefully crafted words or the charisma of his speaking, but it is by the power of the Spirit. A minister who recognizes that it is the Spirit of God which is working through him and does not doubt that is a minister worth following, partnering, walking along with. And Paul makes an interesting statement here. He says that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And he has chosen his words very carefully. Jerusalem is almost farthest east that he had done when it came to the ministry. Of course, he went to Arabia over there for some time, but Jerusalem was the farthest on the east. Illyricum was on the border on the west. And the next thing after Illyricum would, would come Italy. 
and he says that i have preached the gospel i have seen the power of the spirit from jerusalem all the way to iricum and i have preached the gospel to the jews i have preached the gospel to the gentiles i have seen the power of the spirit in in the lives of the jewish folks i have seen the spirit of the lord manifest himself with signs and wonders when it came to the gospel being proclaimed to them for the first time all the way to illyricum that is through central asia to the borders of europe that's there and romans you guys are just there next so i have preached the gospel to the gentiles and i have seen the power of the spirit at work a minister depends or achieves his goals through the power of the spirit my dear church when you look at your leaders and you find that your leaders are depending upon the spirit of the lord for regeneration for discipleship for christ to be born for christ to for for people to follow christ when you see your pastor in prayer for you depending upon god pray for him love him walk with him partner with him because god is at work in that church and paul remember let me just remind you paul is writing these things about his ministry because he is going to come to them and he expects them that when he comes to them they would help him they would not treat him as an outsider they would they would welcome him because of the theology that he has laid out and because of his his ministry plan that he has that he is laying out right now and he says that when i come to you don't treat me as an outsider help me on my way to spain partner with me walk with me bless me and i will bless you we will mutually edify each other and church when you see your pastor depending upon the spirit of the lord not depending upon gimmicks not depending upon feel goods not depending upon contemporary cultural fads which are which are so popular these days but depending upon the spirit the preaching of the word of god the singing of the word of god the showing of the word of god when he resorts to only those when he depends upon the 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 spirit for all these doesn't try to make you feel so great about environment and atmosphere but depends on the spirit walk with him walk with him partner with him encourage him pray for him pray for him the last thing that we see number 5 what we see paul wants the church to recognize in him is that he wants them to recognize that a minister seeks partnership in his ambition to preach the gospel to the lost verse 20 and thus i make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where christ has already been named lest i build on someone else's foundation as it is written those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand paul has laid out paul has laid out in these few verses 
his case for his ministry. He said that I, I'm going to Jerusalem because I'm taking help. We will see, you will see that in the next passage. I'm going to Jerusalem because the churches in Macedonia, Gentile churches in Macedonia, Achaia have given me help for the saints in Jerusalem. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to Spain. I'm not going to stay in Rome. I'm not going to stay there. The mandate of God consumes me. And I'm going to Spain and I'm going to preach the gospel. And my ambition is clear. My ambition is to preach the gospel. Paul is not saying, he's not saying, although he might sound, but he's not saying that I'm going to come to Rome and I'm not going to preach the gospel because you already know the gospel. He's not saying that. In fact, in chapter one, he explicitly says that, that I'm going to, I, I long to come to you so that I can preach the gospel to you in chapter one. But here he's saying his, his principle is that his passion, his mandate is that there are people, those who have never heard the gospel. I am the apostle to the Gentiles. The Gentiles do not know God. And my job is to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to just stop over in Rome, be helped by you and go to Spain. Because in Spain, people have not heard the gospel. People have not heard the gospel. And Paul says, that is my passion. I came all the way to Illyricum. I came all the way there. The gospel had not been preached. I am glad that the gospel has been preached in Rome, which is further to the West, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be encouraged by you, but I am clear. My ambition is to preach the gospel in Spain, where the gospel has not been preached at all. Dear church, recognize a minister. Recognize your leader who is passionate about preaching the gospel, who understands that the world needs the love of God, that people need the everlasting, never changing, never giving up, unbreakable, all, always and forever love of God that is there in Christ Jesus to the lost. His passion is not limited to the church. His passion is not limited to just a few bunch of people. His passion is always, he's talking about reaching out to the lost. He's talking about the gospel, the power of the gospel, the power of the spirit, encouraging you to go out there and to preach the gospel. That is his ambition. That is his ambition. Dear church, when you find, when you see in your pastor an ambition to reach out to the lost, walk with him. Recognize him. Partner with him. Submit to him. Because he is worthy of your partnership. Because he's not going to misuse, abuse your help, your prayer. But he's on a mandate, on a mission. Faithful ministers are hard to find. Paul is writing this in confidence. This letter to the Romans before he comes there, he's writing in confidence that they will help him on his way to Spain. Because, because there is nothing wrong. There is no hidden agenda of Paul. His agenda is the agenda of every Christian. His agenda is the agenda which is clearly mandated by Christ for all Christians. There's nothing to hide. There is nothing to hide. 
and he's writing this in confidence and he's writing them with good words with strong words and he's making an appeal to them i am coming he's saying i will come there send me here i've laid out for you my theology i've laid out to you my plans for the ministry they are in sync i am going to the gentiles you might just imagine that as paul would reach an unknown person unknown person probably they have never heard of him probably they have just heard bits and pieces of him they've never seen him for sure and when paul arrives the door of the roman church they would greet him as if they just met him yesterday they would meet him as a brother because they know him in and out what connects them it is the mandate the gospel faithful ministers are hard to find famous ones are easy to find faithful ministers are hard to follow foolish ones are easy to follow faithful ministers deal with you foolish ministers abuse you faithful ministers lead you to heaven foolish ministers push set the bush on fire faithful ministers walk with them praise god that you have godly ministers in your church in mario and the leaders in the church walk with them look for these characteristics in them don't point out when you see that okay oh this is something that he doesn't have this is something that he doesn't have but walk with them these are five characteristics which a minister should have encourage pray get on your knees and pray for your leaders partner with them be generous to them as paul is expecting from the church in rome and let the kingdom of god be built in your city in your neighborhoods let your church be a beacon of light in this dark dark world so i quickly just recap those five traits and five points as way of conclusion recognize and walk with a minister who commends the church for the right reasons recognize and walk with a minister who speaks hard truths because of the god given mandate obey him recognize and walk with a minister who finds his accomplishment in the church's obedience your obedience in word and in deed recognize and walk with a minister who achieves his fruits by exercising dependence on god pray for him recognize and walk with a minister who seeks partnership in his ambition to preach the gospel to the lord lost come alongside him let me pray for you father we pray for the church in mumbai and lord we pray that as they worship you and live their lives i pray lord that you would help them to be united to be one we pray i pray o oh lord 
that you would bless the leaders of the church. We, I pray, Lord, that you would bless Mario and the wonderful church that you have made him shepherd over. I pray, Lord, that this church would be a church which supports, encourages, walks alongside its leader. And I also pray for Mario. I pray that, Lord, you would help him, Lord, to lead them in all holiness, righteousness, in love towards you, love towards your word, love towards each other in the church, love towards the world outside, which is in darkness. I pray, Lord, for every member of the church, that, Lord, you would consume them with passion for this mandate, that, Lord, there would be nothing that would come between them and this mission that you have given. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would let the church abound. Let holiness be the air that they breathe. Let the gospel be centered in their lives. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would, you would bless Mario as he leads them, walks with them, carries them, rejoices with them, weeps with them because of the mandate that you have put upon his shoulders to present them before you as holy. To that end, O oh Lord, I pray that you would give grace, strength, encouragement, partnerships, and loads of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.